2: Juju Smith Schuster, rest of season running backs, and which NFL team I should root for the rest of the way with the Packers looking done. All this and more on this edition of RotoViz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my bookie. My name is Colm Kelly. You can follow me, as always, on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And I'm joined again by Sean Siegel, the co-owner of Rotoviz, who I'm delighted, as always, to have as my co-host here on the show. Sean, I say this every week. The weeks are just flying by and, uh, you know, far NFL teams it's getting very very nitty-gritty for the actual playoffs and for people playing in fantasy football leagues some of the playoffs already had kicked off this past week so a lot of different uh, areas going on across the the fantasy sphere and the NFL sphere and it's a very intriguing time of the year how did uh, your week finish up how's those FFPC teams uh, hoping for some good news
3: well it it was An interesting week because people had to survive without their Rams and their Chiefs. And certainly those of us writing Patrick Mahomes were interested to see how this week would go and and if the scoring would remain high without those two juggernauts. We obviously saw put up the 50 plus points in the previous week. But as we'll talk about later, there were still a lot of very high scoring games. The week for me came down to, uh, in some ways, some of the less heralded players and offered a good reminder of how important it is to build a full roster a full team and how some of those later round picks can really make a difference for you and we talk about that a lot on the show and on the site you know focusing on some of those types of players and how roster construction specific types of roster construction can really give you that advantage it stood out for me this week even far beyond Mahomes i went into the week obviously with him having to go to the bench, and fortunately, Deshaun Watson is my number two. I picked him a little bit earlier, uh, but once Mahomes was there late, obviously, selected him, and then after week one, it was pretty clear who to start for the season. But Watson came through. Beyond that, however, looking at my roster, my first-round pick scored in single digits, my third-round pick in single digits, my fourth-round pick in single digits. Uh, The sixth and seventh-round picks were both – on the buy. And so, you know, that's, that's really that, that early chunk, but with three picks in the double digit rounds combined for 66 points for me with Matt Rita, Nick Chubb and Tyler Boyd. And so that gets you a pretty decent amount of the way there, especially when Watson ended up with that good game in large part, based on those two connections to Demarius Thomas and all the rushing yards he put up. Watson, unfortunately is not, Uh, airing out the ball perhaps the way his owners would like to see so you get those points and and combine them with really the two stars uh, from that early group for me and Stefan Diggs and Zach Ertz and it ended up with 183 points so despite not having Mahomes despite not having uh, much from so many in that early round group uh, the week worked out well and I think this season where we're seeing the first and second round and uh, to a large extent the third round picks scoring so many points the leagues are a little more balanced even with that really high scoring production from that range and so it still comes down to those other rounds those other picks in order to differentiate your team
2: yeah i agree very much so there and when you look through them you mentioned as well Deshaun Jackson and uh, or Deshaun Watson sorry uh, a lot of hype for him coming into the season probably not living up to that uh, but again coming back of that knee injury there are some positive signs there as he starts to run the ball a little bit more we'll see More 2019, uh, the expectations I think that should have been set for 2018, and maybe those 2018 expectations were a little bit too high for him from a fantasy football perspective. But you mentioned the importance of building the squad. We've seen this week with players like Gus Edwards. We've seen Adams, who we'll be talking about a little bit later for the Eagles. So that even those uh, waiver wire ads, we talked on a few shows that there wasn't much on the waiver wire this past week. There was a couple of options, uh, and those did. Uh, luck to come true for a couple of owners. I seen in some of the the bigger tournaments, uh, starting guys like Gus Edwards and getting those points. So it's uh, it's all about making those moves as the season progresses. And obviously, as the season progresses, I touched on it last week when we talked about Thanksgiving and I, I talked about the Packers. Unfortunately, the Packers had another loss this week. And Sean, with that loss, I think it's time for me to to look elsewhere for the rest of the season. I'm always going to be a diehard Packers supporter, but just to bring a little bit of joy back to my Sundays watching the NFL. I'm looking for a little bit of assistance here as to who I should hope for for the rest of the season I don't want to go for the Chiefs obviously we have them with the Patriots we can go you know I'm not going to jump on the the Glory Hunter end of things here and just go for one off those top seeds the one that they're standing out to me in the wide card rounds is the Chargers I mentioned to you before the show uh, I did get engaged uh, to my wife uh, in San Diego then they moved to LA so that just always hold that a little bit against them I'd like to go back to uh, see a couple of games and San Diego is an easier place to get my wife to decide to go than to L.A. So uh, we'll see about that. But the one that really stands out for me at the moment uh, is the Indianapolis Colts. I mentioned last week having Andrew back on Sundays to watch what he's doing uh, and having T.Y. Hilton connection and uh, everything else that's going on there. The play calling has been uh, very, very a uh, fashion recently, and a very interesting watch on a weekly basis. So, I'm going to let you do the deciding, though, Sean. Uh, my my favorite would uh, be to go for the Colts. They're still on the outside looking in. Where are you going to lead me for the the rest of the season here?
3: Well, unfortunately, the the two best teams, I think, for uh not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon, but uh, getting a little bit of of. Exposure to developing perhaps a little bit of fandom teams that are a lot of fun to watch are in that division with the Packers. And so I think you'd have a hard time rooting for the Chicago Bears, (laughs) which one of the breakout teams, one of the really fun teams uh, for this season with the variety of ways that they attack. And even though it was sort of a boring game on Thanksgiving and they didn't really uh, take the... (laughs) you know, take the the shackles off of Chase Daniel. He was pretty limited in what he did, which, you know, is a little unfortunate since he knows that offense. He had actually played quite well in a couple of games with the Kansas City Chiefs when he filled in uh, late in the season. Uh, The Thanksgiving game probably wasn't the best advertisement for them, but they have been very exciting. And then obviously the Minnesota Vikings, when you have that Thielen-Diggs connection. And then, you know, now once they're starting to deploy Dalvin Cook healthy again, that team should be, very, very exciting. But to move in a different direction, I, I can't recommend the Chargers. Uh, certainly betraying their fans there in San Diego isn't a good sign. Also, uh, you know, all of these years with Philip Rivers against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Rivers, I think, is one of the more entertaining NFL players. I think a good guy, uh, obviously a great player. He is, you know, often stringing together those uh, completion marks that,
2: set set, set a record this week
3: yeah when you see his his throwing motion uh but the Philip Rivers face all of those kind of things he's also a, a fun player to root against uh sort of a NFL villain not not in a bad way not uh in a real villain type of way but he's uh he's probably not the direction I would I would push you in either a team that that you know we got to see on Monday night and not exactly a wildcard team pushing for a buy at this point. Hopefully, at least Kansas City will be able to hold them off. Certainly, if they moved ahead of the Patriots or some of those teams, it would not be an issue at all for me. But the Houston Texans now with Watson and Will Fuller is probably my favorite player on that team. Obviously, he is is out for the season. But the DeAndre Hopkins, Demarius Thomas connection there, if we could see Demarius really uh, emerged in the second half he had those two touchdowns in this game obviously promising other than that still was not very involved did not look like the Demarius Thomas of old so going forward there they had the big runs from Lamar Miller uh, would like to see them actually emphasize the running game a little bit less and get back to attacking and, and put their opponents away but that might be a fun team for you to follow down the stretch
2: yeah I think that would be an interesting one as well but I'm going to have to go against them and that division as well I would, I can't I can't go again I'm just going with the Colts it's uh, it's one that I've been following them over the last couple of weeks I've been rooting for Andrew Luck uh, and because it's in the AFC I know obviously a lot of the teams you mentioned are in the AFC it doesn't make me feel as bad uh, rooting along with them but uh, Colts fans uh, I'm going to jump aboard that bandwagon uh, the rest of the way so be sure to know that the team is bound to implode moving forward for the, for the rest of the season. So, uh, Sean, with that done, let's get into the second quarter. <laughs> So Sean we've seen a couple of historic almost weeks this past week one of them coming from Christian McCaffrey the other one coming from uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and I know we both talked up Juju in the preseason as a player that we really liked and uh, they're basically uh, at this stage second year superstars we talked about what could happen coming into the season and you know Christian McCaffrey was somebody coming out in the draft that and I'll put up my hands, I was in this category as well, thought maybe with his size that he might not be able to withstand the NFL uh, in terms of the physical impact, but i seen a stat this week uh, that he has played in 97% of the offensive snaps for the uh, Panthers, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think of the wear and tear that that position has on your body. And this past week, then, he went over 100 points in both uh, rushing and receiving. Uh, pretty much a historic day when you look at the combination of points that he put up and if you faced him this week in fantasy football, uh, you pretty much would have lost your contest with the, the boost he would have given to his owners. Uh, and then Juju Smith-Schuster, the same, you know, a long touchdown again. We've seen this a couple of times from him now uh, and just uh, continues to produce at such a young age coming into the NFL. Uh, and you know I can't say enough good things about Juju and what he's been able to achieve but out of these two guys with what they produced this past week is there any uh, insights that you were able to see from it were you surprised by either of them or do you think this is obviously 100 and 100 something that we can't predict but Christian McCaffrey continues to produce I think he's probably put himself in at that uh, top three in terms of dynasty running backs but what's your thoughts on on both these guys uh, moving forward obviously we were very excited for the rest of the season but Uh, what is what is the the limit and what they can do at at the moment it seems like there is no limit
3: for McCaffrey the ceiling is very very high the probably the best call I had this season and and one of the best calls um, from the past 10 seasons for me would be the idea of McCaffrey very very early I wrote an article talking about if you missed on Alvin Kamara then McCaffrey might be your guy and might actually be the better pick that you could use him uh, in Kamara's place. At the same time, talking about the fact that I expected Kamara to score a ton of points and the concerns about him were also overstated. So obviously Kamara gets out to that very, very fast start, uh, gets the huge lead there. But since Ingram has returned in week five, we, we see a very different split and McCaffrey owns a 25 to 19.6 lead in, in that time period and certainly the numbers suggest that he has a better chance of maintaining the level that they're at going forward and in all likelihood will finish the season ahead of Kamara the person I compared both of those players to was Marshall Falk and uh, you know for those who might be a little bit younger uh, Falk's scoring at the turn of the century was absolutely fantastic he had a 32 point season in 2000 really 32.6 you know more than halfway to a a 33 point year there Uh, 30 points again in 2001 in that greatest show on turf and obviously the nfl has changed since that time and so our standards are a little bit different at the same time with what we're seeing in 2018 and the offensive explosions and really revolution in terms of innovation and the way these players are being used. We're starting to see some guys being used in that Marshall Falk type of mold again. So, when you look at Christian McCaffrey having scored 24 points a game, uh, more than that, obviously, <laughs> recently with some of these explosions. I don't necessarily think we're seeing his ceiling. Now, if you're talking about what's more likely to happen, I mean, he's more likely to fall off a little bit from that level going forward, just because a 25 point per game level is very difficult to maintain. But at the same time, there's a little bit of room potentially for him to even expand on what he's doing. He's not going to have the really long run every game. However, his usage and his combination of traits is so perfect for the contemporary NFL. And you mentioned the size, the, the injury potential, that kind of thing. I don't see his size as a detriment. I think there, there are a variety of ways of looking at size at NFL running back, and most of them suggest that, yes, you, know, you do have a little bit better chance to succeed in terms of coaches giving you a chance, giving you the touches, and touches clearly are, are very, very important in terms of, of getting the fantasy points. At the same time, there are some areas in which the smaller size really can help you. And McCaffrey illustrates some of those, unless you're a Saquon Barkley and can do all of those same kinds of things at his size. Then really what you're looking for is a back more in the McCaffrey type of mold. And for him specifically, and and this doesn't necessarily extend to all the players in his general size range, but he's got the thickness, he's got the strength to i think handle the beating now because of his size he's not going to really push the pile he's not going to break a ton of tackles when guys really have him at the same time i think he's also going to avoid a lot of those direct hits and he's not necessarily from an injury perspective someone to worry about because while the size may limit his tackle breaking ability i don't think it makes him more fragile from that injury perspective side of things so I love what he's doing. I don't think that people should be concerned about him. If you've been able to grab him, then you're in great shape. At this point, uh, to add him in any sort of format is going to be very, very difficult. I mentioned in my article, I think he's now up to the dynasty number three running back behind only Barkley and Gurley. Uh, would you have him in that kind of range? What are your thoughts on him and the way he's used in that offense? Uh, certainly, we have a, still a little bit of an issue with perhaps Cam Newton stealing the touchdowns, although we have seen them give him more opportunities down by the goal line sort of in the second half of the season
2: yeah so we have seen that improve and you know uh, you mentioned him being number three it takes a lot to get me excited about running backs but this year has probably had me the most excited i've ever been about the running back position uh, and one of them that i am most excited about has been uh, christian mccaffrey just watching him the stuff he can do uh, and and the variety of skills that some of these running backs have uh and this season is just absolutely incredible when you look at like kamara garley even melvin garden and the improvement he's made It's just uh, incredible to watch some of these guys uh, at the top level. Uh, Something that did concern me was, uh, before the season, Cam Newton stayed in those touchdowns, but they have started to give him more uh, carries in the red zone and they you mentioned as well the way they're using him like if you look at a lot of running backs at this stage of the season uh they're going to have uh you know a lot more rush attempts than McCaffrey but when you balance his total touches i think is what the the panthers are looking at and that there is combining into you know at the minute 153 rushes 71 receptions so he's just getting a, a fair balance and i think they've really got that balance very good on their offense in terms of how they're using quite a number of their players and how they're getting them involved in that offense uh, if you look at the last Give me 17. Uh, rush attempts. He's he's done that on three occasions this season, and one time against the Bengals uh, back in week three, he had twenty at rush attempts, which is the most of his career. But if you look through that, you know he's kind of capping out at seventeen. Most of them are around the the fourteen as an average in terms of what he's having on rush attempts. So I think that's a good balance of what the Panthers are giving him. And then as I look through his stats for the season, there's only two games this season that he's had less than five receptions in the season, and he had eleven this past week. In week two, he had fourteen. So and. PPR leagues the upside is just monstrous for the way they use Christian McCaffrey and I really think like you mentioned the upside uh, the the like the sky is the limit for what he can do and uh, I think the the PPR element and, and the receptions is a huge part of that because getting the ball out in space I think there's a lot less opportunities for him to get you know the the, the impact injuries that a lot of running backs would get as they hit the line. I think they're able to avoid that with what they're doing in Carolina, but exciting, exciting times for Christian McCaffrey owners, and I can just assure you that I don't own him in enough leagues due to those concerns I had coming out of college, but uh, if I could turn back the clock, uh, I certainly would be having a lot more of Christian McCaffrey on those rosters. I did mention as well Juju Smith-Schuster, who is just so 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 impressive just as an athlete in general uh you know we know what antonio brown can do but i don't think at this stage of antonio brown's career there's a huge gap between his uh, impact on this offense and then of course what juju smith schuster can do as well where are you thinking of juju smith schuster you know if we look ahead to 2019 uh, we talked about them closing the gap this year but how close will that gap be in 2019 for for redraft? when you look at, at juju versus uh, antonio brown
3: Blair and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and we both agree that Smith-Schuster has moved ahead of Brown in Dynasty. He's got multiple things going for him, obviously. We, we discussed before the season, I had him on the list of players poised to crush ADP and how the wide receiver projection model for Smith-Schuster claimed that he would have a huge season. It really foresaw this type of year and even though he was being drafted fairly early that he was still a big value over ADP and certainly you know I was grabbing him in the late third the early fourth I wish I had picked him even earlier because you know there are some certain teams you know like the one I was mentioning at the open of the show where if I had used the third round pick on him you know everything would be over right so the numbers continue to suggest that he is that good When you look at his age-adjusted production, you look at his career arc, the age that he has accomplished these different things at, both in college and now at the NFL level, the sky is the limit for him. You know, we talked uh, in some of the previous shows about Diggs and how he would fit in compared to some of these top guys, and then Tyreek Hill, where he would fit in, and Juju Smith-Schuster definitely joins that conversation, right? So... Even this season, he leads Brown in receptions. He leads Brown uh, by a good margin in yards. And so, really, what Brown is being propped up by are those touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns are important, and you know clearly they lead to a lot of fantasy points. I don't think that you can look at them as being a fluke. Just like there are certain specific things that are happening with julio jones that really do hold down his touchdowns both within the offense and then his particular skill set with antonio brown you have the opposite side of that so those 11 touchdowns you can't just say well if he weren't scoring then he wouldn't be a big factor i mean he's a big factor but when you look at juju smith schuster and look at the continued growth you would expect for him and look at the age from multiple perspectives in terms of realizing that people's careers for the most part really do fall off earlier than you would expect and then just the window that he has then for uh, peak value not just in scoring but in terms of trade value Uh, smith schuster's value as a dynasty player through the roof but certainly what we're seeing as a, a redraft player you know there are very few people you prefer to have on your team going down the stretch of this season
2: yeah, and if you look at what he's done so far in his career, just looking through some of the you know stats, uh, through his second year in the league, he's up now to uh, nineteen hundred and seventy-two yards. So uh, this coming week, you know, he just needs uh, twenty-eight yards to head over two thousand yards in his first two seasons. But he's pretty much for his age, just turned twenty-two, has pretty much set every record in terms of a player at that age for the amount of yards or for the amount of touchdowns. Uh, for comparison, Randy Moss had thirteen hundred and thirteen. Uh, receiving yards when he got to the same age as Smith Schuster is now Uh, and Smith Schuster already has 1,972 yards so he's leading the way on Moss who is arguably the greatest of all time uh, by almost 600 or over 600 yards and he just continues to put up really really impressive numbers uh, a 97 yard touchdown this past week he's the first player in NFL history with two of those and I think when we look at Smith Schuster we don't look at the athletic profile enough we kind of I think he looks like he's doing things relatively easy on the field so maybe we don't pick that up as much but uh, in terms of his athletic uh, ability to uh, I think he at, at Brown's stage of his career Juju uh, may also be edging that so it's a very interesting perspective uh, and a very exciting player uh, to have uh, in fantasy and particularly in dynasty leagues as well.
3: Yeah you look at his his numbers for the season six 100 yard games for people who are concerned with consistency and, and you know we talk from time to time about how uh, really what you're interested in is a total points the consistency can be a mirage but certainly when you're running that starting lineup out there every week it's a boon that he's only had one game in single single figures and certainly for people uh, still competing and still very much in the thick of things in week 12 to have his second 30 point game for the season uh, in this week you know, really push you over the top. I mentioned in my article that even in some of these leagues where, uh, or for owners for Rotoviz listeners who probably really targeted both of these guys and have him a lot, there are still leagues where you don't have them. And and certainly, you know, I had the situation where McCaffrey and, and Smith Schuster were stacked on one of the teams uh, that is trying to fall back on me in total points. And uh, probably comes as no surprise that when you have both of those guys on the roster, uh, that will, that will launch you back into the total points conversation very quickly if that's a factor in your format.
2: So this week's show again brought to you by my bookie. And if you haven't joined up already and started using them, I hope you got in on the offer last week for the Thanksgiving special, Uh, quite an offer they had on uh, for the show uh, last week for Thanksgiving. But whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you like to put on a little and win a lot, uh, I think MyBookie is the place for you to go. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with for the rest of the season. I recommend using MyBookie because we here at Rotovis do trust them. They are a trusted sponsor. They've been great to us uh, over the years and they have been in business, as I mentioned there, for many years. Have got great online reviews and their mobile site is super easy to use. Uh, all you can have to do to get a sign-up bonus now. The biggest and best sign-up bonus in the industry is head on over to mybookie.ag. Sign up using the code RotoViz, and you'll get your first deposit matched by 50%. That promo code, once again, is RotoViz.
1: You play, you win, you get paid. So Sean, jumping into the third quarter. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Earlier we're going to look through some running backs I
2: mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, gus edwards and josh adams and how they uh, helped people this past week to get wins and they were players who a couple of weeks ago we wouldn't have been talking as highly of it looks like josh adams has gained control off the running back position for the eagles when you look at this team they haven't really put an emphasis on one running back they've kind of gone by committee outside of the little bit of time jj was healthy for them uh, this past week he had 84 Yards and punched in a t- touchdown uh, on 22 carries, uh, which was 17 more than Corey Clement got this past week. Uh, but if you look at Adams, I thought particularly in the, uh, I think it was to start the third quarter, they pretty much ran with him the whole way down to the end zone. Um, what was your thoughts on uh, Josh Adams? Was he somebody who you were looking at ahead of time? And is he somebody who you have in some of your rosters now? Because a lot of people were uh, hyping him up heading into this week, and uh, he certainly delivered for those owners.
3: This was a guy who, again, was very productive last season and perhaps because of injuries, you know, fell out of the draft, which a surprising development when you see some of the guys who are picked. It always bothers me a little bit just from a fairness perspective when, you know, you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds and players who were excellent college players are not getting picked and guys who struggled in college are finding themselves on NFL teams. Number one, just in, in terms of the opportunity it provides players, I, I think that worries you and it's unfortunate. The guys who did what they were supposed to do and were college stars should get that opportunity first. And it also just makes no sense for these teams to be selecting players who are not good college players and expecting them to make this huge jump is very difficult. You look at Adams, and I think it's especially interesting in the context of what we're seeing from Philip Lindsay, where both of these guys rushed for more than 1,400 yards last season. And specifically, when you look at Lindsey, you, you have a phenomenal uh, full career record for him there in college. They go undrafted, and, and both of them now have climbed to the top of their respective depth charts. The Eagles, what they have going on there is not a particularly strong roster, although when we saw some of their other guys also perform well this last week. However, Lindsay, the competition there with Royce Freeman, now he's benefited a little bit from Freeman's injuries, but Freeman I still believe will be a star. He's one of those guys where if either of them, Lindsay or Freeman go down for significant stretches either at the end of this season or then, you know, looking to 2019 where I think the hype for Lindsay should be pretty significant. You know, you could see if it ends up being a one-person backfield that guy scoring. A ton of points so it's not like Lindsay has risen to a top of a depth chart that has no competition and for me when you look at what adams did in college you look at his certainly his straight line speed his explosive ability the ability to generate these big plays that really fits with what philadelphia wants to do now you mentioned edwards and and the heartbreaking thing for so many fantasy owners this week uh certainly some of our Rotoviz guys and and pete and pat yeah, He rolled up all of those yards, but without a reception and without a touchdown, it just doesn't matter. You still end up with a very mediocre fantasy game. And so but with some of these guys who are in that situation, you certainly have to watch out for that a little bit. But, yeah, the these undrafted players coming up and doing what they're doing, uh, it's exciting for them, exciting for their teams, getting a little bit of that production. And certainly for zero running back owners or Anyone trying to fill a deep flex spot at this point of the season, you know, those are big, big performances.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned as well, uh, Royce Freeman, who, you know, there was a lot more hype obviously coming into the season for him. I think he's uh, a significant uh, buy low candidate if you can get him onto your rosters now for maybe somebody looking to have a, a stronger running back rest of season, but not looking at the long term outlook. I still think that uh, Freeman. Uh, has the potential to to become that workhorse obviously we're both high on Lindsay, but uh, with Lindsay as well even if it's not uh, with the broncos down there down the line i still think uh, freeman can have a significant nfl career but it's hard to buy in on the rookie for looking after the rookie contract but still a lot of potential there and i think they could as well be a one-two punch uh, like we've seen with some of the other running backfields around the NFL you mentioned as well in your article this week you were looking at Justin Jackson we're going to talk about Melvin Gordon and his injury in the fourth quarter uh, to give him a little bit more time to to emphasize on it obviously disappointing to see uh, the MCL injury he suffered but it opens the door for Justin Jackson who in the preseason when we were talking about Austin Eckler, he was somebody in the background who we had some concerns about, was then released by the team, was taken back in uh, shortly after that. So he has been on the depth chart. Uh, it's going to be him and Austin Eckler, but it really does uh, open up uh, the door for Jackson to get some snaps. And uh, we'll first talk about Jackson, then we'll talk a little bit about Eckler. But what's your thoughts on Jackson? Is he somebody this week that you think should be getting snapped up off the waiver wire?
3: Definitely, you look at what Eckler has done, and he's running back twenty-two, despite playing behind or in concert with Melvin Gordon, who is averaging just a hair under twenty-five points per game. You know, if he manages the the second half or the the late game uh, in Week Twelve, you know he'd be at twenty-five points a game, and yet they've still had the volume, the way they're running that offense this year with so many passes to the running back. And such a a dynamic, explosive offense that they also have plenty of opportunities down by the goal line that they've managed two top 24 players. Now, obviously, there's a big difference between Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and then a committee that goes to Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. But Jackson is another one of those players for whom the draft and the time period subsequent to the draft made absolutely no sense. Right. Because with Jackson, you get another one of those guys like a Philip Lindsay who was just fantastically productive in college. Especially in the context of a player who was taken as the 251st pick and then, as you mentioned, didn't even manage to stay on the roster for the full time after that. You look at his numbers and they're almost impossible to leave. 1388 yards from scrimmage as a freshman. 15,000, 17,43 as a junior, and 15 as a senior, 122 career receptions. So you're looking at a guy who went over 1,000 yards as a rusher every year and 122 receptions, and you look at him and you're trying to figure out, well, how could he have fallen? And the answer is in that size. He's down in that 199-pound range. But when you're talking about players that we've seen this season and last season a little bit, certainly exploding this year, With Lindsey, with Eckler, with Breda, with Cohen, you know, even to someone who's slightly larger, like a Christian McCaffrey, you know, how how is this guy not out there playing? How is he not someone who was picked in the middle of the draft? Certainly in the range of a Hines that the the Colts got. I still believe was a good value on. And you look at him and you say, well, maybe he's not that kind of athlete. And then you go over and look at his combine numbers and he's got a 38 and a half inch vertical leap. He's got a six, eight, three cone. So he's got this explosiveness. He's got this electric agility. And a uh, you know a 45240 at that size, that's not going to give you one of those elite size adjusted speed numbers. However, again, that kind of thing tends to be overrated in terms of how we are evaluating prospects. Now, when you have the guys, you know, like a Todd Gurley who have huge numbers in that area, it's certainly not that you're fabulous. You want that kind of player. But you also want the guy who has huge production and a six eight three cone. That guy is going to be able to go out in the contemporary NFL and put up big numbers for you, especially in fantasy football with this hybrid profile where you score in both elements or even if you're a Tourette Cohen where you're mostly scoring as a receiver that can get you big numbers so anyway you bring that back into this Chargers offense where they throw the ball to the running back a ton he's the perfect fit now you know how many touches he'll get right away how it will fit in you know there's obvious risk there but as you're trying to continue to build your roster into the playoffs he's certainly someone you want to go after this week.
2: Yeah I definitely agree with that as well and especially at this stage of the season uh, to fill in that spot is definitely a smart option. The interesting thing is going to be if you look back through the usage for Eckler throughout the season his largest carry uh, load of the season was uh, in the London game against the Titans. He had 12 carries in that game when uh, Melvin Gordon was out injured uh, and then had five receptions so most of his work came in those first kind of five weeks of the season in terms of his production his touchdowns his receptions and then he did have uh, a big game obviously this past week with the 10 receptions but prior to this past week he did have two receptions no receptions one reception and then back to the titans game with five then zero then one so it did it did peak at the start of the season and has fallen off a bit but i think at the start of the season he showed that he could do it when he got the extra sample size get the extra Uh, receptions that the production can be there but my interesting thing is going to be to see uh, if he can sustain a workload if he does get double digit touches uh, from a Russian perspective so I do think that it's going to be split between him and Justin Jackson because uh, outside of that game against the Titans and the Buffalo Bills they were the only two games that he topped uh, 10 rush attempts in the game so it's been pretty much, uh, you know, averaging uh, kind of three to five per game. So uh, let's see how that goes this week. It could be a situation where next week we're looking at Justin Jackson uh, getting even more work uh, heading into the rest of the season. But out of the two of them, I think Eckler is the one that you want to own. But I do think there is significant upside there as well for Justin Jackson. So uh, we've talked about both of the guys that are going to have the opportunity due to the injury. But let's go into the fourth quarter and talk about the injury itself. <laughs> So, Sean, it was unfortunate this week, you know, Garden was coming in with an injury. We had some concerns about would he be active. He was active. He did score uh, the touchdown, you know, still got the points for anyone that did start him. But the concern, obviously, then with the knee injury, uh, had a huge uh, year in terms of his progression, you know, had issues with efficiency uh, in his first couple of years in the league coming out of college, uh, and he has really, uh, been able to do that uh, heading into this year with the volume he got with the efficiency he showed the thing that really surprised me this year was the work that he got in the past game and i was extremely impressed with how he was able to develop that role in this game obviously this is likely uh, well it is basically the end of his uh, fantasy season for the year uh, likely the end of his season in general uh, and then what has been your thoughts when you look back on Melbourne garden's uh, 2018 season was he somebody you thought could have this sort of the year? Uh, certainly wasn't on my radar. I was very much on the Eckler getting a huge chunk of uh, receptions that have gone to uh, Melvin Garden, and then Garden has turned a lot of those into to touchdowns with the the progression that he showed in that part of his game.
3: It's been very exciting to see that progression. He was one of my favorites going into 2016, and in that. Uh, You know, turned out to be one of our our very best zero running back calls. He jumped from just the eight points per game as a rookie to 19.6 that season. And again, it was very unfortunate in that he had this monster season. 19.6 points in 2016 was was a big league-winning number for you. Certainly a, a, a total you would take this year again. But to not get the playoff portion of that season, I think, really did skew perception of what he had accomplished and then i was excited for him 2017 coming back uh, felt he was a very good pick in the second half of the first round and he turned out to be although didn't have the Breakout season, I was expecting in terms of being able to join that Le'Veon Bell David Johnson sort of tier, took a very mild step back to just over 18 points a game, which again, that's that's not a huge disappointment. But when you're looking for a league winner in the first round, maybe doesn't get it done. And then finally, in his fourth campaign, we see him emerge to the kind of guy I thought he might be coming out of college. And you mentioned the receptions. So he's ticked up from two and a half to 4.4, 5.2. And then this year, six targets per game. And not only have those targets jumped, obviously, but like you mentioned, he's averaging 45 receiving yards a game this year, a 50% increase from last season. And along with that has come so much of a change in efficiency. At this point of his career, he was basically an even Player from an efficiency perspective, right? His number of expected points based on the value of his touches in terms of down and distance, yard line, that kind of thing. Uh, he was just giving you the value that those touches would suggest, which, especially for a star player, is a little bit unusual. We have guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson who have these huge workloads, and because they are so effective in multiple ways, uh, really justify that kind of workload who are are more efficient than their touches but perhaps not at a level of some of the guys we've seen in the past you know like a a marshall Falk, for example but to have gordon go for three years and really only be a league average player from an efficiency perspective i think was a disappointment and then this year when you see him jump to where he was giving owners eight points per game more than expected so that both Talks about what his workload was, which is good in its own right, but then just how explosive he was in 2018. And so to see him finally make that jump is exciting. We've seen that jump for McCaffrey just in his second season with Le'Veon Bell. One of the concerns for him after his rookie year was that really, really poor efficiency as a ball carrier. And so one of these things that I think comes out of this and that we can look at is that for some of these players who were drafted early and have elite athletic traits you know have the production you know stemming back and are continued are are likely to continue to get the usage that that efficiency in many cases will come not everyone is going to be a trent richardson and in fact very few players with that pedigree are going to go the t rich route
2: yeah, and I guess uh, I'll take another moment to uh, say about Royce Freeman at this, at this point when you make that comment. But uh, the other part, uh, just looking through his numbers, uh, the, the big talking point after his first year was obviously the efficiency or the lack thereof, but also the fact that he, through those first 14 games of his career, he failed to find the end zone at any point. And that after those first 14 games, he has since played 39 games in the NFL and has scored 37 touchdowns. So he's just been a touchdown machine Uh, 10 through the air and then 27 on the ground over the last three years which is uh, incredibly impressive Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll see him possibly uh, before the end of the regular season uh, hopefully then for the playoffs and uh, we'll see what he does next year for fantasy players in uh, 2019 but certainly somebody who uh, has really uh, added a lot of elements to their game for the the rest of uh, his career and uh, I guess, Sean, it's time to, to start to wrap things up. Let's jump into overtime.
3: It is good. For overtime, we wanted to jump back and look at your bold prediction for this season. Uh, dealt with Amari Cooper and him having a bounce back campaign, perhaps leading the NFL in targets and uh, being a wide receiver one. obviously, that didn't happen with the Raiders and you watch The Raiders, it's incredible at this point that uh, my, my Cardinals have fallen into that same category, I think, where watching what they did after they got... They somehow got the early lead against the Chargers, and then I'm not sure I've seen a team outside of this year's Raiders look as bad as the Cardinals look the rest of the game. Even as they lost basically every game under Hugh Jackson, I think the Browns were generally more competitive than what we're seeing from the Raiders and the Cardinals. So within that context, Amari Cooper was really struggling. And the question was, is it him? Is it Derek Carr? Is it both? And I think a lot of us were excited and yet mildly disappointed that where he went was the Cowboys, because that's going from a terrible situation to a just bad situation. Dak Prescott also struggling. The Cowboys, a very vanilla offense and you know perhaps a little bit of competition from michael gallup that kind of thing Uh, and instead it's been very exciting now the first three games you know hit and miss this last weekend i think again showed what amari cooper can do now that we've seen this monster explosion on thanksgiving how are you feeling about your prediction and what do you see for cooper the rest of this year
2: well, well, let's just uh, get it out of the way. He's not going to be the wide receiver one in fantasy this year. I think uh, we'll all agree on that. But in terms of uh, the move, again, you mentioned it wasn't all that convinced that it was the right decision. Uh, but he had no real say in it obviously if you're looking at from a fantasy football perspective we would like him to fall in other places but what he's been able to do and it was something I touched on at the time was uh, with Zeke there you know in Oakland they were able to double cover Amari if they needed to Uh, when he's at the Cowboys there's a lot less double coverage because they're stacking the box to try and stop Elliott who is obviously the prime weapon in this offense and we've seen that this past week in Thanksgiving quite a few of his catches coming on single coverage then with single coverage like his touchdown if there's a missed tackle it's off to the races and you know he had 180 yards on uh, eight receptions but he had three receptions the week prior six before that so the there is a big uptick in terms of his usage uh he did have a game earlier in the season with 10 receptions for 116 yards uh, with the Raiders he had eight for 128 in a touchdown game and then obviously this game eight for uh, 180 and two touchdowns so I think you know three or four weeks ago it wasn't looking good and there is a lot of boom bust there a lot of people probably them sitting on their benches for those some of those games but when you look at it he's now sitting at uh, 629 yards I think there is a possibility that he does hit that thousand yard uh, total with the remaining games that he has there Uh, that would leave him then with three thousand yard seasons in his first four years in the league so still a a lot there to to get to that he needs uh, 371 yards but i think over over a total we can look at the the positivity for moving forward i think what we thought when he went to the cowboys we weren't all that sure how it would work out but it's starting to look very very positive for him and uh, he's still somebody who next year heading into the year i'll be i'll be looking to have on my rosters because i do believe in the talent I believe in the ability I don't believe that we're going to have 180 yard games every week but I do think we'll see another couple of uh, 100 yard games before the end of the season and uh, if you look now that is uh, three 100 yard games true this season so there is that ability there Uh, true true you know uh, 11 games in total and uh, one of those games knocked out in the uh, early uh, first quarter with a concussion so I still have uh, positivity for Amari moving forward is Cooper somebody uh, who who still excites you? I I think potentially down the stretch here, and I've seen him on some waiver wires and redraft leagues. I, I think he could potentially end up being a league winner for some people uh, rest of the way.
3: he mentioned having him on the bench, and I, I did have at least one dynasty where <laughs> <for> that was the case. But yeah, it, you look at what he did early on, and then you look at this sort of last year and a half with the Raiders, and trying to decide which of those two things is the true version of cooper is difficult because you have to give priority to the time period that's more recent at the same time it just would be so unusual for a player to do what he did and then just go away and certainly to just go away if there's not some kind of clear explanation like an injury a couple players who might be in a somewhat similar category would be an Allen Robinson or a Sammy Watkins, where they were good players in college, a lot of young production. They had the age-adjusted production that we like to see, that experience-adjusted production. They come to the NFL, they put up these big seasons, and then injuries really derail their careers. And you don't know if you're going to get that same player coming back. Blair has written some articles talking about how uh, trying to – get those guys as injury bounce back players that there is actually a ton of risk there. That's not necessarily what you want to do. Players don't come back from those injuries uh, historically at the level that it makes sense to target them as a fantasy. That doesn't mean that people won't come back because they do, you know, you have examples on both sides, but in terms of, of playing the percentages, that's a question mark and then you know you look at these guys and you try and to decide well what are they now and i think you know you watch sammy watkins and he's in this situation where it may be a little unfair because you're watching him at the same time that you're watching tyreek hill and you're looking at them and you're like well this one guy is a superhero he's a comic book character player he looks more like me i mean watkins still big you know still that that medium sized you know thick wide receiver but when he's running now he does not look like the college star he he's lumbering around the field and so you know is he startable even before that foot injury that's now sidelined him again. You know, that's a question. You look at Alan Robinson. He had the big game a couple weeks ago, frustrating for a lot of people because he comes off of, you know, being hurt, has the big game. And then people plug him back into their lineups and it's dud dud. And you watch him and he is swallowed up by his defender. Just absolutely swallowed up. So, you know, both of those guys I have some concerns. Amari Cooper. And again, you know, you're always kind of looking at this last game, but Amari Cooper, the coaches talk about him the opposing coaches when they're game planning for him they talk about how well he separates in that short area gets open quickly one of the problems obviously he's run into is that you dropped a lot of passes throughout his nfl career after he's gotten open quickly but when you're talking about a guy with his size and he's not gigantic but for someone who has that short area quickness he's a big thick guy right and so gets open early and then you see that after the catch ability and the problem the Raiders were having with him is that there was no after the catch because there were no catches, right? Derek Carr really the ball, and then you watch what he did this last week, and you see a guy of his size, uh, you know, 210 pounds, flying down the field, right? I and mean, he's he's got that speed after the catch, you know, that that's very exciting. So if the Cowboys continue to get him the ball and that definitely seems to be their priority, they've gone all in on him, then I I think you're going to see, again, you mentioned it's not going to be 180 yards every week, but you're going to see some exciting production from Amari Cooper because that's still who he is.
2: Yeah, definitely agree there. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it goes the rest of the year. And then, of course, there's talk of him and Dak Prescott both being extended then uh, in the offseason. So it looks like the, the Cowboys' kind of core nucleus of players is going to be there. And we look going into the season, Dez left, obviously, in, uh, for, in the free agent period. And then they uh, have a situation where we didn't really know who the wide receiver one was going to be on this team. I think it's pretty clear now that uh, Amari Cooper is going to be that wide receiver one. For uh, quite some time to come in dallas and uh, just before we wrap up the show i want to give a quick reminder about the road of patreon page obviously there is road of live every sunday 11 a.m eastern and to get access to those four shows per month and of course, all the podcasts we do here over 40 a month, uh, Patreon ships start at just $6 a month. And to do that, all you have to do is head on over to the Road to Visit Patreon page, join the community over there, and get access to those premium shows each Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Myself and Dave Cabin will be back on it this coming week. And of course, as always, you can get your exclusive discount to a Roto-Viz NFL pass for being a loyal podcast listener. Uh, you can do that through the NFL podcast homepage. That is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Still great content going up, great apps available, and much, much more over at rotaviz.com. And again, that link is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Sean, it's really gonna do us for today's edition as we head through the NFL season. It is unlucky for some i guess uh, week 13 but uh, we're heading and we hope our listeners have lots of luck i wish you luck this week and hopefully some will come my way as well and we'll uh, pick up some w's as we head towards such an important stage of the season so with that as always you can follow sean on twitter at ff underscore contrarian and follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and until we're back next week with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at a 30% discount through the Rotovis Radio
1: homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it, and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California.